0: Uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining me once again. Tonight, is a, we're going to be talking about three special subjects. We're going to be talking about EVPs, the afterlife, and near-death experiences. That's a subject we talk about a lot on this show, but we don't talk about EVPs. And I'm really excited to talk about that. We're also going to be talking about alien implants and alien abductions, especially alien implants. Um, and we're also going to be talking about The last subject will be Haunted Las Vegas, which is really interesting. And the person I have with me is named Tracy Austin. She is the host of the award-winning TV show, Let's Talk Paranormal. And she's the author of three books in these subjects. She's the author of Welcome to Haunted Las Vegas, Nevada, which details true ghost accounts of the Silver State as researched and documented by LVSSI las vegas society of supernatural investigations and then also her book alien encounters in the western united states which would be really interesting details nine true alien abduction accounts that features photographs of suspected alien implants which were surgically removed by the famous dr roger lear uh, some of my fans that have listened to me since the Art Bell days, uh, well, some, a lot of my fans listen to Art Bell as well. They'll remember Dr. Lear from Art Bell. Tracy worked one-on-one with Art Bell. I mean with Brock, Dr. Lear, I'm sorry, not with Art Bell. And, <laughs> and as well as there's wonderful artwork in the book depicting various alien beings that have been encountered and first we're going to talk about her newest book i survived, survived beyond and back true accounts of near-death experiences in evps and i guess i want to say tracy thank you for coming on how are you
1: well i'm great robert thank you so much for inviting me it's a, it's a pleasure to be on the show and I, I, I wish I could say you know when you made the first little error there I, I worked one on one with Art Bell I wished I had.
0: <laughs> he was he was one of my inspirations for starting this show um, you know but you did work with Roger Lear which is pretty impressive like, um, I but I want to get into your first book first um the your newest book I'm sorry I Survived Beyond the Back True Accounts of Near Death Experiences. Um, yeah, there it is. Um, <laughs> wh- when I started my podcast, one of the reasons why I started was because I wanted to find out if consciousness survived the physical body death. And I was wondering, did is that kind of what your motivations were for writing this book?
1: Yes and no. Um, what really prompted me, Robert, was the fact that back in November of 2017, I actually lost my dad and um, my dad lived in England. My mum my and dad live in England. My family live in England, uh, but my, my dad became ill um, with, with kidney issues. And my dad had never had a surgery in his life. None of my family members, including me, touch wood, knock on wood, have never had surgeries. And so when my dad became ill, It's something that I thought, you know what? My dad will beat this. You know, he'll he'll beat it. He'll get over it, he'll be fine. He's 83, okay. But he's never had a surgery in his life and he'll just kick it and he'll be fine. Well, he didn't. And I managed to get to England the week before he passed. And I have to tell you that, that my dad was the biggest skeptic. One of the biggest skeptic. Both of my parents are big, big skeptics. And it's as if you know. Well, when you die, you die, and that's it. Lights out, so to speak. So I always used to say when I talk with them on Skype, uh, look, I know you don't want to talk about this, but if whoever passes first, will you please try and find a way of communicating with me? Because I know there's an afterlife. I, I've always known it. Always believed it. But you as a parent, I'd, I'd love for you to really, really communicate with me and let me know that, yeah, you're absolutely spot on. We, we do survive. Consciousness does survive. And you'll communicate with me from the other side. Well, when I asked that question, because I have two very skeptical parents, my dad would kind of listen and he'd roll his eyes and he'd look away and he'd say, Okay, Tracy, you know, just kind of appeasing me kind of thing. Okay, I'll let you know. Um, Not really thinking that he'd he'd ever have any intention of of communicating because he was a skeptic. So when I lost my dad, I started within five months of my dad crossing over, I started to get ADCs, after death communication. And... um, I honestly have to tell you it's it's if it continues to April of this year, 2021, it would have been three straight years in a row that my dad has communicated with me because it all started in April of 2018. And I write about my dad and the communication between my dad at the back of my book in chapter 14. Uh, and I call it surviving beyond because obviously my dad didn't survive beyond and back. He didn't have a near-death experience. He, he had the full transition. So, but I wanted to talk to people about it. I wanted to let people know that, hey, you know, yes, I'm having communication with my father and consciousness does indeed survive. So yeah, it was, it was partly interesting to know what happens with these near-death experiences and what they talk about. And also the fact that my dad's transition spurred me on to write this book.
0: Well, what I think is very interesting is the, the fact that you 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 do the EVPs. Like I said, I feel like the EVPs are a lost art form. You know, I used to hear EVP playings on Art Bell years ago, and um, and then I see these guys on the internet, and they're using spirit boxes, and I don't know whether it's real or not, but. Your proof that it's actually real. Could you talk about, was that also why you got into the EVPs, was because of your father? And was that the only part EVP you got or have you got EVPs from other people that have passed as well?
1: Um, I mainly concentrated on getting EVPs from my dad, obviously. Um, I was very close to my dad. Um, I have a, a sibling, a sister, who we were, we were both very close with my dad. She like my family is skeptical, but she's had communication herself. And I kind of cornered her into a situation one time on uh, FaceTime and she kind of broke down and told me all about it, that she did have communication. So um, they mainly have been from my dad. I'm open to receiving EVPs from any of my loved ones or friends that have passed, but it was mainly my dad. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and talking about spirit boxes, and again, I briefly write about it in the book, I Survived Beyond and Back. I have a friend in Arizona, Tony Rathman. Uh, Tony and Shuri Rathman are paranormal, they're man and wife team. Uh, phenomenal, phenomenal paranormal investigators They live in Arizona. And Tony created a device called the Evox. And so I uh, they were actually guests on my radio show back in, oh my gosh, when was it? I think it was either 2018, 2019. I can't remember which it was now. I think it was 2019. And so that's how I first got to know the Rathmans by having them on my radio show with KGRA, Let's Talk Paranormal. And he built this box and I could hear what this box could do and I was I was dumbfounded, Robert. I thought, uh, oh my God. I mean, I know that people have spirit boxes and, but this was just incredible because what I could hear, literally what I could hear, when he switches that thing on, you can hear spirits flocking to the box because they all want to communicate with Tony. And you can hear them saying to Tony, hi, Tony. Hello, Tony. It's incredible. I'm like, shut the front door, you know? I, I couldn't believe what I was hearing. So that's why I had them on the radio show. And then of course, when I lost my dad, and I'd lost my dad in 2017, way before I met the Rathmans, but I thought, I just wonder, I just wonder if Tony would help me with this because I'd love to hear from my dad and to know that my dad's okay. So I reached out to Tony and I said, uh, would you be so kind, Tony, because I know your box is so awesome. I'd love to communicate with my dad. I'd love to know if if he's okay. And he made it to the other side. And yeah, you know, consciousness really does survive. So he did a series of tests for me. And the first test that we did, um, and he sent me the audio file of it, and he's just switching it on. You can hear the spirits flock to the box and they're all saying hello, hi Tony, you know, whatever. And he says, look, uh, hello, all of you. Thank you for, for wanting to say hi, but can you please step aside? Because I'm looking for a specific gentleman of the name, Dan Austin. And Dan, if, if you can hear me and if you are able to communicate through this device, I'm a very dear friend of your daughter's and uh, she would love to know that you're okay and to hear a message if you have one. And then he follows it by, are you with me, Dan? I specifically heard my dad say one word, yes. And I knew it was my dad. I could tell by the tone of my dad's voice. So already I was kind of blown away. So over the coming weeks, Tony said to me, I'll do another test. My dad was a very quiet man. He was a very quiet man in his human life. And so as here on earth, you know, so below, as above, you're the same. Your personality is the same. So my dad, being a quiet man, was not really much of a conversationalist. So to even get yes was a big surprise to me. So I thought, you know what I'll do? I will email Tony a photograph of me and my dad, just so we can see what my dad looks like, because he's never met my dad, doesn't know, doesn't know my dad. So what I actually sent, and I can show your, your listeners, that is the photograph I actually sent to Tony. And it's when my dad and my mom, my mom's taking this photograph. Uh, they came to celebrate my birthday in 2011. So, emailed it to Tony. Little did I know, Tony was going to use it as part of a test. So, he held up this photograph to the EVOX machine and he said, "Uh, I'm looking for a specific gentleman of the name Dan Austin. Dan, if you're with me, I'm a very dear friend of your daughter's. I know we got to speak briefly last time. but..." I'm holding a photograph here in my hand. And I hope you can see this photograph and I hope you you know who's in it. I hope you can see who's in it. You should do because one of the people in here you recognize is you, who's the other person. And you hear a brief pause and then you hear my dad say very distinctly, that's me daughter. So when I heard that, Robert, I was just I got a whole flurry of different emotions, you name it, all across the gamut, all these flurry of emotions. It's like. Wow. I just heard my dad for the first time since he passed in 2017, so it was emotional, it was overjoyed, it was, oh, my God, it's real. Oh my God, it's real. Consciousness survives. So there's a whole flurry of, of emotions that went through my head. And so um, if people want to hear that EVP, and I know it's difficult to hear from computer to computer as we're doing on the show, but if if they go over to my YouTube channel, the Tracy Austin Show, you'll be able to hear that EVP. And you'll also be, be able to hear a couple of others. We did another test a few weeks ago because... Uh, Tony built a second Evox device and so I lost, I I have three cats and I lost my boy um, who who was 18 last April and I was devastated because my boy had an aneurysm and he just collapsed and died right in front of me. I tried to resuscitate him and I I couldn't save him. So I was devastated. He just turned 18 a month before he and his sister Uh, and his sister's about to turn 19 next month, as he would, had he be alive. So, uh, we did a little test and and you'll see this, your viewers and your listeners can see this on the same show um, with with Tony Rathman, uh, I Survived Beyond and Back on my YouTube channel. So, I held up this photograph and and he's asking spirits, uh, you know, who's who, well, we tried to reach my dad again, but I don't know if my dad was there or not. It it wasn't as clear as when he said, that's me daughter. But we held this, I held this up, and uh, Tony asked them, she's holding the photograph. What's in the photograph? Well, you can hear somebody say, cat. So I was kind of blown away when I heard that. And I said, well, okay, what's his name? And this isn't a normal name of a cat, Robert. So it's kind of broken up when you hear it and it's electronified again, but your viewers and your listeners will be able to hear it. And you hear someone say, Barnaby. His name was Barnaby. Wow. And you can hear it. It's like Barnaby. It's kind of electronic, but you hear it. So blown away. I mean, I, d- I don't know I d- I don't need any more proof, yeah I want to hear more EVPs but it, it, it's proof to me.
0: Yeah that 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 that's wow that's I had a guy on from the Monroe Institute and he talked about studies that they did on near death experience and um it, it, and and all that stuff and I I I always leave with doubts but every time I have someone like you on my podcast it just reassures me to the fact that consciousness does survive now let me ask you this um were there any I saw you interviewed a couple people on your your uh, page I I didn't get a chance to watch a lot of it because it was pretty long but were there any near-death experiences that really stuck out to you that um you could say were pretty interesting
1: Um, yeah, I have to say, actually, Robert, every single one of them was interesting. And I used every single one of them for the book of the people I interviewed because simply because every single one was different. I'd had a gentleman named Tommy, who's in the first chapter, who had a motorcycle accident. He and his wife died. However, he decided to come back. His wife remained on the other side. Wow. He came back to tell the story. Uh, I have another lady in there uh, named Yvonne, who's a French lady who moved from France to the U.S. a number of years ago to, to start a new life and was taking medication for heart arrhythmia. And the medication was too strong. And within about a three-week period, she ended up having two near death experiences and was escorted by two huge uh, angels who appeared in her bedroom and said, it's time to go. Wow. And so she had a near death experience that was twice within three weeks and it was all due to health issues with her and, and the strong medication for her heart arrhythmia. Um, I have another person in there um, in the book, named Deborah. Deborah was four years old when she had a near-death experience, having some, something real simple. having her tonsils removed. and went it, over to the other side. Wow. So everyone every is different. Um, can I ask you else, this? Another uh, lady named Amy had a, had an experience going to a Chinese restaurant with a boyfriend. And was allergic to the um, uh, the, the glut the, the glutamine uh, sodium whatever it is inside the uh, inside Monosodium the Chinese glutamine. That's yes, right, inside the uh, Chinese food, and she felt sick. She felt ill. She ends up passing out, but finds herself on the other side. Um, there's there's so many. Uh, another gentleman named Moshe who had a car accident. Another guy named Terry simply grocery shopping and putting apples into a bag and has a cardiac arrest.
0: Wow, well, here's here's my question. They're all
1: unique in their own way because they're all different. And I wanted all different scenarios. Plus in the back of the book, there's not only the chapter on my dad uh, surviving beyond, but I write about Hollywood celebrities who've had near-death experiences. I mean- Oh,
0: that's really interesting. Yeah,
1: who, who knew? <laughs> They're just like you and I.
0: Yeah. Who who were some of the were the ones that you can think of? That-
1: yeah, um, I write about Sharon Stone. Sharon well,
0: Stone. I remember her.
1: Yes, 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 yes. The actress, Sharon Stone. Uh, she had an aneurysm in her brain and uh, caused her to... She said, well... I, it was an excruciating pain. She said it was like somebody had actually shot me in the head and put a bullet in my head. The pain was that excruciating. And it's while she was going through the, uh, the MRI tunnel that she passed out. And, and she's telling Oprah Winfrey this on Oprah Winfrey's show. And, and your viewers and listeners, I put the link in the book. They can go and watch this. Um, she said, I passed out, but it's not passing out. I actually passed up. Yeah, they, and I went up.
0: That's what I wanted to ask you. I have a question. Um, do is that does it seem like there's a, a a a similar thing going on with everybody? Do they all go through a tunnel, see a light, or being escorted by loved ones or angels? Is that like a common
1: theme? It is a common theme, very much so. But I have to say that there's a couple of stories in the book where there was no tunnel and there was no light
0: wow what happened yeah. in those situations
1: right and 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 one of the because they weren't sure they weren't sure if they had a there's two in the book they're not sure if they had a near death experience or where they had an out of body experience now near death experiences and out of body experiences are very similar and i've had an out of body experience myself but I've never had a near-death experience, so I can't talk myself for that personally because I've never had one. But um, for a couple of people in the book, there was no tunnel and there was no light. A couple of them found themselves in complete darkness and then things started to change. Then they they would see a light in the distance. Um, but for some, a couple of people, Masha being one of them in the car accident, there was no tunnel and there was no light. He did not visit heaven, but he said he was on the threshold. Um, and I don't want to give the story away because obviously I want people to, to read the book for themselves yeah. so that they- Yeah, definitely. Know. But he saw a woman that was walking, pacing in front of the vehicle, up and down in front of the vehicle that was dressed like um, someone, a, a Russian lady, the way she was dressed. He said, I don't know who this woman was, and I'm beckoning her to help me, help me, help me. She would not help. She just kept nodding her head and she refused to help. Wow, that's weird. Yeah, wouldn't help her, wouldn't help him. But wow. that's not somebody that's real. That's somebody in a different reality that he found himself in.
0: Yeah, that, 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 now that's interesting. That's really interesting. What, because yeah. I was thinking, what do you think? I mean, you did this paranormal show for how many years, like five years, six years, like, so you must have a theory as to what this thing that we call death is. Do you think it's just another dimension that we might not be able to see that this God or source or creator of all, whatever you want to deem him as is created for us to go to? And then maybe we reincarnate as soul groups. And I know I hit you with a lot there, but you can answer that however you want.
1: Yeah, um, I do believe that, yes, uh, I, I, like I said with the EVPs from my father, and you see, let me just explain something here also. It isn't just EVPs that I've had from my father. He switches the light on in my guest bedroom. Wow. So I know when he's here because he switches the light on. Now people are going to say, well, how do you know it's your dad? Well, when this first started, and I'll answer your question in a moment, but I just wanted to reiterate about my dad. It's not just EVPs. It all started with putting the light on. Um, I had read a book, phenomenal book. Um, and I recommend if, you're, if your listeners and your, your viewers are interested in reading about this kind of thing, there's a book called Into the Light, and it's written by a doctor, Dr. John Lerma. And he is the director of two care hospices in Houston, Texas. And he wrote a book about what people see three to five days before passing. And these typically are deceased relatives and angels. And one particular, I moved house a month after my dad passed. So uh, my dad never visited me at at this house. Uh, Neither did he visit me at the previous home either. Uh, because it was a few years back when he came. Um, But I, I'd I'd moved house with my partner and we, of course, it was a, it's a bigger house and we wanted to buy more furniture. I bought this bookcase, and I'm putting all the books on this beautiful bookcase. And I came across this book that I'd never read before into the light. And I thought, what's this? I've never read this. So I opened it up and I used to have, because I had the TV show As you quite rightly mentioned, it was a TV show in California and we did it from 2002 to 2006. And I'd have a lot of publishers send me books so that I could have the authors on the show and I could interview the authors. So I came across the book Into the Light. I'd never seen it before. And I thought, what's this? So I opened it up. The letter from the publisher was still inside and it was dated 2007. So 10 years had gone by. And I'd never never read it. So I decided I'm going to read it. And boy, what a phenomenal book. I really do recommend you reading this. So I was engrossed in a chapter about an elderly lady who had stomach cancer. Her name was Mildred. And she was in her 70s. And um, she's in a hospice room one morning and Dr. Lerma goes by to check on her and ask her how she's doing. And she says, well, I'm doing fine, Dr. Lerma, but I have a question to ask you. Why am I seeing deceased loved ones in my hospice room? And he said in the book, well, I didn't want to speed up the process of her death. So I said to her, you know what, Mildred, that you're right, they probably are checking in on you just to see how you're doing, like I do every morning when I make my rounds And, you know, I'm scheduled to stop by and see how you're doing. Maybe they're just popping in by to, to check on you. So she says, okay, but I have another question. Why am I seeing angels? So she described these angels. She said, well, they always stand in the corner of certain corner of the room. They reach the height of the ceiling. They are certain, you know, thus wide. They illuminate all this beautiful bright white light that's internal and it's in it and then it, it it's internal but then it flows externally a little bit like a light bulb she said and they said to me "Mildred we cannot communicate with you unless you want to communicate you have to initiate communication" so she did and she had communication with them well when that happened and I read that robert i sat back on my chair in my guest bedroom and I looked up at the light and I just said, whoa. Well, it wasn't really the light, it was just at the ceiling. Oh my God, I'd love to talk with my angels. I'd really love to talk with my angels. Boom, the light went out. Wow. So I thought, what the heck have I just done? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I sat there for a moment in darkness, waiting. Nothing happened. I looked at the clock on the bedside table, it said 10pm. And I thought, well, you know, it's pretty late. I'll just put the book away, read it tomorrow. So I get up in the darkness off the chair, didn't even walk halfway past the bed, boom, the light came back on. Wow. So I said, okay, somebody wants to talk to me. So I scooted right up to the bed. And I said, Looking at the light, I said, I don't know if it's you, my angels. I don't know if it's you, dad, that's trying to communicate with me. But uh, whoever you are, thank you for doing that because I know it takes an awful lot of effort and energy to do what you've just done. So I want to thank you and and come back and visit. I didn't tell my partner because my partner is was, he's not so much anymore, but he was very skeptical at the time. He's 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 a a business minded person. So things are either black and white, Robert. There's no gray area. So I thought I'm going to hold off here on telling him about this. I emailed my two spiritualist medium friends in the UK. I told them the story, what had happened. They said to me, Tracy, that is not the work of angels flipping lights on and off because angels are from a much higher realm, a much higher dimension. They don't need to flip lights on and off to get your attention. That's your dad. So that's how I knew it was dad coming through. And he's done this ever since. Like I said, it will be, uh, if he continues to do it up to April of this year, it's been three years straight, which I'm so honored and grateful for. And I've had feathers sent to me, pennies. And these are inside the house, by the way, not just outside, but inside. Feathers, pennies hummingbirds dragonflies these are the gifts he sends to me so to answer your previous question yes consciousness survives it is on a different dimension when i've spoken to tony rathman about this with his you know his paranormal team entity voices your uh, listeners and your viewers can can check them out entityvoices.com um He talks about that EVOX, how the frequency, it tunes into spirit, if I have this correctly, between 100 and 300 megahertz. That's where you can communicate with spirit. Between 100 and 300 megahertz, I think it is. Wow. So they're there all the time. And as Sharon Stone Put it when she was telling Oprah about her near-death experience because she says, well, where did you go? She says, well, Oprah, it's very difficult to explain because it's not far away. And she used both of her hands. And she said, I was right there. And she placed it by the side of her body. She said, I was right there. Now, I write a little bit about the spiritualist medium, John Edward, in the beginning of my book because I met John two years ago. But I talk about how, again, John was invited on the Oprah show. And Oprah said to John, well, where is this other side where you go when, when you pass, You know, when, when deceased people pass over, where do they go? He said, well, my spirit guides are giving an analogy of it like the internet. The internet, you need a conduit. We all know about the internet. We all use the internet. We all know what it's about. We just can't go there with the physical body, but we need a conduit. And that conduit for the internet is the computer. He said, well, the spirit world, you know, is is a bit like the internet, it's out there. It's out there. Can't go with the physical body, just like you can't to the internet, Um, but you need a conduit. And the conduit is the spiritualist medium. And I thought, wow, what a great analogy that is. To that describe really is kind of like the internet.
0: That wow, that really is. That's amazing.
1: Yeah, so, um, it, it, it really does put things into perspective and it gives you some idea.
0: I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm convinced of it now. Like I said, I mean, between now talking to you. And talking to an instructor from the monroe institute and i've talked to another guy who has a psychic medium on his show every week i can't remember his name right now but he, he he's called uh hacking the afterlife it's called and he does a show every week where he connects with uh, so-called he says he's connecting with famous people through this medium um and uh I, oh if i can remember his name um He's written books called uh, Richard Martini, his name is, and he's, it's called um, Flipping the Afterlife. His name of his books are, he's a really nice guy and he, uh, he's done amazing work on the afterlife as well. But um, I, I don't want to take up all, all your time. I'll, I'll switch transition to your next book. Um, I wanted to transition to your book on alien encounters and implants. Um, I believe the name of the book was... Uh, Uh, Alien Encounters in the Western United States, Nine True and Alien Abduction Accounts. Um, So what uh, what prompted you for your wanting to write this book and then how did you inevitably end up working with Dr. Lear?
1: Well uh, let's see I have been interested in this subject for a very long time. I've been researching UFOs and extraterrestrials for some 30 plus years. I I had my very first UFO sighting in 1987 in the middle of London. Wow. Yeah, Um, and I trained as a musician. My background is a classical musician. I was trained to be that, but I had a broad daylight sighting with uh, my best friend at the time, which changed everything. They, they, I, I always say this, Robert, I didn't find it, it found me. And it's been that way ever since, since 1987. So that book, Alien Encounters in the Western United States, I actually wrote that in 2012. And the book prior to that, Welcome to Haunted Las Vegas, Nevada, uh, I had Schiffer, my publisher, Schiffer, reach out to me in order to write both of those books and to write something about aliens in the Western United States because I live in Las Vegas, in the West you know, uh, part of the States. So I decided to concentrate on cases that were true abduction cases, nine of them. And some of which you'll read about in the book actually had alien implants. And uh, quite rightly so, you mentioned Dr. Roger Lear was a very, very dear friend of mine. I first met him in England in 1999. quite some time back and it was at a UFO conference and we became great friends ever since. And uh, he actually invited me to be part of, um, to sit in and watch the removal of one of these implants back in, I think it was 2000 and it was either 2003 or 2004. And it was an airline stewardess who'd had one of these objects, in the the forearm of of her right arm. So I was so honored and privileged he let me do that. But I also got Roger to write a, a section in the book there about the alien implants, because I wanted to find out what his thoughts were, you know? And he said to me that initially he was a skeptic. And he said, you know, I've removed everything from the human body. Uh, I've removed glass, paper, hair, metal, plastic, you name it, I've removed it. He said, so when I was presented with two abductees from two different parts of the United States with two different researchers, he said, I, I said to myself, you know, I've, I've removed everything that I, from the human body. I know I'm just going to be removing the same kind of things from these two people. Well, as it turned out, No, he wasn't removing the same thing. However, the objects were the same. They were identical in these two different people from two different parts of the United States. They were metallic. They were delta shaped. You couldn't cut through them. You couldn't burn them. And highly magnetic and uh, later on come to find out with other implants he'd removed they also had deep space radio waves in them now how the heck how the heck do you get deep space radio waves in an implant that is that has no portal to the entry in the skin so there's no puncture wound as to how it got in there Plus, what was flabbergasting about this was that the whole implant is made of meteorite.
0: Meteorite, wow. Meteorite. I don't even know. I can't even explain where, where to even start guessing with that. I mean, that, that's so amazing. Yes, like-
1: it is. And, you know, when he removes these things and up until the time of his death, Robert, uh, which I believe was March 14th of 2014, Um, he had removed 17 implants. And uh, it's strange because he he said to me that the majority that came from the left-hand side of the body were all metallic. And the one that I was allowed to be present for was from the right-hand side of the body. It wasn't metallic. It was uh, biological in nature. Wow. And he says, you know, I've sent these uh, these uh, implants off to different laboratories, about five or six laboratories, somewhere in the country, somewhere out of the country. He said, and they all come back with no known earthly isotopes in them, no known earthly isotopes in them. And he writes a little section in in, in my book that says that, you know, he's speaking on behalf of these labs when they say. These objects have come from a civilization that are 30 million years in our Milky Way, from our Milky Way, the galaxy in our uh, Milky Way, in our galaxy, 30 30 million years older than we are.
0: That's amazing. Wow, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm flabbergasted because, you know, I've I've done a lot of work on, you know, on on abductions, like I, I I like to say I do. I mean, I've done all the background. I mean, I, I've watched all the interviews. Like I started off with David Ike. I'm sure you're familiar with David Ike, the Reptilian Agenda. It, it, I love that with uh, Crado Muvwa. He passed away. The African Credo. Shaman. He. It's crazy that a guy in South Africa have an abduction experience. And he has the same one as a person here in the United States. And they're experiencing the same thing. The same thing's happening from genetic materials taken. And then there's this hybridization program going on. We don't know what's being made of these hybrids. Um, I'll just give you one theory I've heard. Alex Collier. Are you familiar with Alex Collier?
1: Yes, I have heard the name.
0: Yeah, He says that he thinks that these hot the, that the greys are trying to build soul that they're trying to create create soul because they're trying to save their race so he actually thinks that they're taking the from the aura the life force of the mothers this is really dark he says they're actually taking from the life force of the mothers and feeding that to the hybrid to try to create soul have you ever heard that kind of a theory before
1: no, I, ha- I haven't heard that kind of thing before, no. Um, I've heard things as wild as, and again, it was an, on an Art Bell show, uh, he was interviewing um, John Lear. Yeah. And John Lear was talking about how he was friends with, um, I just, his name just, Bob Lazar. Yeah. And that Bob Lazar said he saw documents out at Area 51, that was talking about a device on the moon. And this device on the moon is a metal square box. And I don't remember how big this metal square box was. I imagine it's a fair size. But he said that what this box is for is that when we die, that metal box captures our soul. <laughs> And it's inside the box, and they get reincarnated. And he was talking um, about—I mean, I don't—I don't know the truth of it. I don't know the truth of it, Um, but I have to talk about it because that's what was said. And I I just found it interesting. But I've never heard that before about feeding hybrids so that they.
0: Yeah, I've never heard that, but I can tell you
1: this. If you've been taken, your mother's been taken, yep. and your mother's mother's been taken. Because what they're doing is they're following a family lineage. And they're interested in a certain characteristic within your DNA. And if you don't have that characteristic, and by the way, we don't know, we don't know what it is, we don't know what it is that they're looking for. But if you don't have it, they're not interested in you. One thing I've But they heard... seem to focus on people who have the blood type. We've come to find out a lot of researchers. They come to uh, abduct a lot of people who are RH negative. Because it's a universal blood type, the rhesus negative. Yeah. So in my book, Alien Encounters, I, you know, again, a, a number of them were rhesus negative. Some were O positive or O negative or a or b so yes those people that have those blood types are still having interaction with with these beings whoever they are uh but we find that the rh negative is a more of an important it's more primary to them because it's a universal blood type and by the way those implants dr leah thought originally that they were tracking devices he said but no i've come to understand over time these beings can track you anywhere on the planet so they're not tracking devices what they're doing is they're monitoring your dna they're monitoring what's going on inside your body
0: why would they do that i mean i'm just i'm interested this is so interesting to me can we can we speculate
1: well, We can speculate, we don't know if it's the the truth of it, but this is probably partly why they are creating a hybrid race to begin with. Because if you're going to create a hybrid race, I guess the chances are that they're going to see life here on planet earth. Dr. David Jacobs talks about this. I mean, he wrote two fantastic books, The Threat, and secret life. And he regressed hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of abductees that all said a very similar thing about this hybrid program. And he said at the end of the book, you know, he says, it doesn't make me, it doesn't put me in a positive, it doesn't show in a positive light with this because what does this mean for humankind at the end of the day? Are hybrids being seeded here? because humankind will be wiped out eventually and so hybrids will be back on the planet. So I can only presume that, you know, they are looking for RH negative type people or and or this characteristic that we don't know what it is within a person that can be implemented within a hybrid. and. A lot of the time, you'll find that uh, it could be that the characteristic is something to do with people who are artistically creative musicians, artists, painters, actors, actresses th- those type of people that have a creative mind.
0: I have a uh, Maybe scientists.: they, I, I saw a link on Coast to Coast one time, and I just kind of put this together. Uh, The link on coast to coast on YouTube said, why are so many Native American and Irish getting abducted? And it was Daryl Sims who was talking about it. And, you know, I'm sure you've heard of Daryl Sims. Daryl Sims said that a lot from his research, a lot of Native Americans and Irish were getting abducted. Well, if you look into the Native American folklore, they say they came from the star beings. So maybe they have the closest DNA to what they want. Does that make any
1: sense? Yes, it does make sense. And in fact, I do know Daryl Sims. I actually invited Daryl Sims on my show. Uh, We we, we just did a replay of it this past Sunday. Um, And again, your listeners, if they wanted to hear that show, if they go to KGRADB.com, they can hear all the shows that we've done in the archives. And Daryl Sims is, is one of them. So yeah, it's very evident, Robert, really, that they're wanting to seed life, their life here among us, here on the planet. And I think they are already already here among us. I do believe that. Um, whereabouts they are, I don't know, but, you know, I remember Major Bob Dean, he's passed away now. He passed away about a year or two ago. And uh, I was at a conference with Major, Bob Dean and he said you know back in the 19 was it the 1950s or the 1960s I can't remember which it was I think it was in 1960s he got to see a top secret document in a room at Shape Headquarters which is where he he worked for Shape Headquarters and he said they put me in a the room they wouldn't give me a pen or a piece of paper so anything I saw in this document I had to memorize. He said well I read about 52 alien races coming to visit Earth back then. He said, and one of them looked like we do. You could put a shirt and tie on them. You could sit them on a bus, put them in a taxi cab, have them walking down the street. You would never ever know the difference. He said, in fact, they were walking around in the corridors of the Pentagon and they were freaking the generals out. Because it wasn't until they passed them in the corridor and gone to wherever room uh, that the generals were told, by the way, the person you just passed there walking down the hallway is not from here. And they're, they're freaking out about it because they look so human.
0: Well, I did a show on Valiant Thor. What are your thoughts on the Valiant Thor story?
1: Uh, I think it was very real. I interviewed, uh, I got the wonderful opportunity of interviewing Dr. Frank Stranges many, many years ago when I did, wow. when I did my TV show, in California. Yeah. Uh, we did a show on Stranger at the Pentagon, which is the book he wrote, and the Dead Sea Scrolls. Uh, but Stranger at the Pentagon, we had a good conversation about this and we talked about Val Thor. Uh, Val Thor was a created being, he had no navel. He had no fingerprints. He said the finger, he said the ends of his fingers were like a a peeled, boiled egg. They were so soft and smooth. He had no fingerprints. Well, I'm also very good friends with Craig Campabasso, who's a casting director Yeah, I I just interviewed him. Yeah, that's who I just, that's
0: what I was getting to.
1: Yeah, well, he's a very dear friend of mine. I've known him for 19 years. We're getting ready to do a show at the end of this month. And... um, he asked me if I'd be part of his movie he put together, Stranger at the Pentagon. So in that movie is a clip of me interviewing Dr. Frank and asking him all about Val Thor. And there's pictures of Val Thor in Stranger at the Pentagon. There's actual
0: pictures. I, I watched that. Uh, I watched the movie on Amazon Prime. Like, I, 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 I. I... I didn't know you then. So I would have to go back again and see it. But I thought that was so interesting because I had a really good conversation, just like how me and you were having a really good conversation. This is turning out to be a really good podcast. I had a really good one with Craig as well. And he has some really good theories as to this whole extraterrestrial, you know, he wrote that book, the extraterrestrial species almanac. I'm sure you will talk to him about. And, um, it's just it's very weird. The the ZT. So what do you think about the Internaki? Like, do you have any theory about that? Do you think they they really, really came here and they genetically modified us and
1: stuff like that? Uh I do. I mean, yeah. I mean, you you have to keep it open about these kind of things. I um Zachariah Sitchin was one of the scholars that talked about Anunnaki, you know, he wrote the 12th planet as well as numerous other books. And this is somebody who's, you know, 34, 30 to 40 years of, of research. I mean, he can read, he's deceased now, but he could read a stone clay tablet, a Sumerian tablet, like you and I would read the, the morning paper, yeah. you know, he was so phenomenal uh, at, at what he what he did. And he talked about the Anunnaki are apparently our gods that created us. They genetically took a a homo sapien. They took a homo sapien and they changed its DNA. They altered its DNA because they came from their world uh, on a planet called Nibiru. And every 3,600 years on an elliptical cycle, it comes back into our orbit and the speculation when that is going to be, but nobody's really talked too much about it. Uh, so we don't know the date, but apparently they were due to come back on this elliptical cycle. And so they sat down in modern day Iraq, which is ancient Sumeria. Modern day Iraq is ancient Sumeria. And they took a homo sapien altered his DNA because they were looking for a slave to mine for gold. Oh
0: yeah, yeah.
1: And, and they wanted to obliterate this gold around their planet to, for protection and, and one thing of another. So this is where I believe that the missing link is between ape and man. I do they too. They took a homo sapien. That's why chimpanzees and apes and gorillas, that they're not evolving into humans
0: they're not exactly there's a
1: there's a cut there's a cut and, in genetics
0: and there's uh, like zachariah sitchin he's not the only one who i mean like behind me on my wall that's an anunnaki genealogy table i've been so far that I've written by the deceased gerald clark like he he was an anunnaki researcher he passed away but um goes the whole way from when they made adam which they called adamu to that's characters right. which translated into the bible and then um but there's so many other people that have translated the tablets, and they're all coming up with the same thing, just exactly how you explained it. Like, so I do believe they came here. But um, I was going go back to these human ETs that look like us. Like, do you? So do you believe that um, uh, that they're that we're being lied to, and that there's life on other planets? Like that, or that you know that there might be like that we might have people on Mars and Venus and stuff like that.
1: Uh, I do, I, I do. And, and, you know, I, I don't know if it's so much as a lie um, or whether it's to the fact, Robert, that our government just don't know what they're dealing with. They don't know how to explain it to us. Yeah. Uh, we, we know that Roswell was was lied about. It was dummies that they'd sent up in some test. And, and you know... No, because the dummies don't match what landed to these diminutive beings that were found. They weren't six foot dummies. They were diminutive size beings that were not from here. They didn't look human. So I think they've lied themselves into a corner with that. I think they have. Um, But I think half of the stuff, they probably don't even know. They don't know how to tell us because they don't know what they're really dealing with.
0: Did you hear, did you hear, um, I, don't, I don't want to take up too much of your time, and I want to get to your last book too, but I just want to get your opinion real quick on what you thought of, um, I don't know if you, 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 I'm sure you follow ET News, uh, Haim Eshed, the Israeli space commander who came out and said that we have relations and there's a galactic federation, and that there's stuff on the moon and Mars, did you hear about that?
1: I had heard about it. I hadn't read it, but I'd heard about it. And yeah, I absolutely do believe because Ingo Swan, who was um, an outstanding remote viewer who passed away a number of years ago, explained what he remote viewed on on the moon, that there were artificial structures on the moon, domes, glass domes that he could see with beings inside them that were making something. They were busy at work making something. Bridges, things that were like bridges, they just went halfway over and then they didn't, they didn't go anywhere. They just stopped in, in, in mid-air. The bridge would just stop. You've only got to look at Mars. The face on Mars, who put that there? You can't see today the photographs I saw a number of decades ago because they have been taken down. There were such crystal clear photographs, Robert, of that face on Mars. You could see the eyes inside the eye sockets. You could see the nose. You could even see carved teeth and the headdress that went around the head of this structure. You can't see those anymore. Those aren't there anymore. Somebody's taken those down, but those were crystal clear. The five-sided pyramid. Nature doesn't create. Five sided pyramids.
0: And the fact that there's, if there is no civilization on Mars, like if we're not being lied to, and they're really, because here's what they they tell us, well, they say there's radiation there. Well, how is there radiation there? Radiation, I don't think radiation naturally comes there. I, I think there might've been, I mean, there's talk that the Anunnaki could have been there before and they could have had a war and there could have been a nuclear weapon that went off at some point if there's no civilization there now, but there's talk now of a secret space program being there and that there's civilizations on Mars. And I don't know what to believe. I just know what, what's put out there, you know?
1: Yeah, n- nobody really knows what to believe because I don't think anybody's ever going to really own up to what they know. But I, if, if there is life on Mars, I don't think it's on the surface, but I think it's below.
0: The surface. I think oh it's wow, that's it. interesting. I never
1: thought of that. Underneath the surface, there is a book called um, I just can't think. Alternate Three. I think it's called Alternate Three, and it's a very old book. It talks about the fact we've already been to Mars. We've already been to Mars. There's things that were seen burrowing underneath the surface, um, and if, if you can get hold of it, it's it's a good book uh, to read, but. The Anunnaki, just to get back to those for a moment, apparently they created us in their image. It's just that their eyes are further apart than ours and their nose is more beak-like. This is apparently when man landed on the moon, this is why they used an eagle to represent the fact that Anunnaki had already created and landed or already landed on the moon and made their their footprints there if you like yeah they are more like birdmen they're like birdmen oh wow yeah so they made us in their image apparently their eyes are further apart noses big, like
0: i've never heard that that's so interesting you learn something new every day there's so much to learn in this in this um and something else i wanted to go over with you you said bob dean died how about William Tompkins almost uh, also died. Art Bell passed away. You know, we're losing so many of the people that were pioneers in this field. Art Bell just with the radio, you know, but still that was a big deal because nobody else was doing it back then. Now everybody has a podcast, but but he was a pioneer. But William Tompkins and Bob Dean, those two guys can never be replaced like with the information they came out with, you know? And we're losing those people.
1: Yeah, I mean it's the same for Doctor Roger Lear. I mean I don't know any other doctors who were secretly secretly doing this. Yeah, because nobody else has come out in the open. Yes, I mean Daryl Sims, ex police military police officer, CIA operative, um, and he's a he's a, a, a really phenomenal researcher at what he does and i really enjoyed talking to him and i'll probably have him back on the show for sure um but i don't know of any other doctors that are doing what dr roger leah did roger was a pioneer in, yeah. in what he did and who knows how many implants he would have taken out of people today had he still been alive
0: it's just like I feel like we're I, I don't want to lose this culture. I, I feel like there needs to be people that need to take it on. There's people like me and you that through our shows we can continue to promote yeah. it and stuff like that, but we're losing all the whistleblowers and the, the right. The, you know, it's it's uh
1: and you know, Art Val, I mean, what can I say? I mean, God, I that man was just he's like the Larry King for radio.
0: Yeah, he was. I, I still you know? listen to his old shows, you know, like he, they, all his Me old too. shows are available. Love him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So your last book, the, the last book I wanted to talk to you about haunted Vegas. Um, what what made you write that? And uh, can you tell us anything really interesting about that? Cause I love hearing about, I mean, did anything have to do with, I know this is going to sound corny, but did anything have to do with the mob in
1: Vegas haunted stuff? no. <laughs> mm. <laughs> No, I wanted to stay away from that. Um, actually, that that book, Welcome to Haunted Las Vegas, was the very first book I'd wrote uh, that Schiffer asked me if I'd put that book together based on Haunted Las Vegas. So I know that haunted hotels have already been done. I, I didn't want to go there. So I went into residential hauntings and I worked with a team called LVSSI that you mentioned in the introduction, uh, which is the Las Vegas... Society of Supernatural Investigations, and they were a team of four people. Um, I I think they disbanded now, they've gone to live in different parts of the country. Um, But I wrote about 18 chapters in that book of true uh, hauntings based on their research that they did as a team. And I thought it was important to, to let people know that Yeah. You know, your house could be haunted. It it just depends on the land because people also think that just, you know, well, I moved into a new house. How can a new house be haunted? Well, guess what? It can, because it's all dependent on the land that your home is built on. And sometimes ghosts can follow you. They can follow you. So there's hauntings in that book that have happened in the the south, the southwest, the east, the north, the south, the north, you know, whatever, all across, all around the silver state of Las Vegas. So there are 18 uh, true cases. Plus, I think I talk about uh, a a little bit about the ghost sighting that I had in 97 in London as well that was haunted, uh, not haunted, uh, headless. So... um, What happened with that? You don't mind me asking. Um really long story, but I'll try and make it short for you. Um, myself, my my best friend at the time, who was a guitarist and two other friends of ours, one of which did hypnosis as a side interest. His name was Gary. He said, uh, and I, we, we all went to the Guildhall School of Music and Drama as musicians. So he said one night, um, I'd like to demonstrate some of my hypnosis tools. So you can see how it, how it works. So myself, my friend, my, my buddy, my best friend uh, went along. We sat in one of the, the practice rooms, which was huge. Uh, there was no windows. Uh, velvet curtains went from the ceiling right down to the floor because obviously it's for musicians and to drown the sound. There was a grand piano in there. There was a harpsichord. There was a wall of mirror for the opera singers so that they could watch themselves singing and the way they're breathing and et cetera. A row of chairs in front of it, a row of chairs here like where, where I'm sitting and then another row of chairs down the other opposite wall. So Gary and Howard were our two friends and Gary moved to the middle of the room to hypnotize Howard. And, as we and there's no windows, like I said, there was only a little little square hole in the door about this big where you could kind of peer through and see who was practicing so you didn't you know disturb anybody practicing. <clears throat> so we're watching what's going on. I'm here, my best friend's here, and we're watching this unfold in the middle of the room, and something caught my attention by the mirror. And you know when you do that. <laughs> You know, when you do that double take and you look and you look again, I did that double take and I looked across and I looked again and I could not believe it. There was a ghost of a woman sitting on the chair. She got her legs crossed and she had beautiful, beautiful legs, the, the, the kind that we, women would die for. She got high heels, modern modern day clothing. It wasn't like it was period. It wasn't modern day clothing, black high heels. She was wearing a black skirt, a white top, and a black belt around the waist. And she sat there with her hands clasped like this around her knee as her legs were crossed, watching what was going on in the middle of the room. She had no head. Wow. So from the shoulders up, nothing, absolutely nothing. Wow. And there was no reflection of her in the mirror. No reflection. So no head, no reflection.
0: That's pretty amazing.
1: When I saw that, Robert, that's the first time ever I've ever seen a spirit and I've not seen one since. Uh, my heart was pounding out of my chest. Boom, 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 boom. And I wanted to tell my my buddy next to me, uh, you know, oh my God, look, look, look. But I didn't want to disturb what was going on in the middle of the room. So round about, and it was a Friday night, and and round about nine o'clock, the caretaker came to lock up the school. The school is huge. I mean, people can look up the Guildhall School of Music and Drama. It's right there at the Barbican. It's right next to the Barbican Centre. And it's a huge school. Uh, I'm, I'm very proud to say I went to the same school as um, our British James Bond Daniel Craig went to oh wow so, yeah i I left a year before he he went there so it's it's a really well-known school so anyway the caretaker came to lock up we heard him so we he, our friend Gary brought Howard out of the hypnosis and we all you know got outside and when we got outside I turned to I turned to all of them really but my my friend sitting next to me and I said to him well I said did anybody see anything in there and he looked at me and he said to me a woman by the mirror so he'd seen her too wow so I didn't see it alone now Gary and Howard never saw anything because Howard was under hypnosis and Gary was too focused on what he was doing hypnotizing him but myself and my buddy we got to see her yeah so I never did any investigation on it looking up you know what period she was from and what had happened because you really couldn't because there was no you know she wasn't in a periodic uh, costume it was it was modern day so it had me thinking was it a student was it a professor that maybe had a car accident and the head was severed and that's why we were seeing no head
0: wow that's it's it's amazing well um do you want to give out your website and your YouTube page? So my subscribers can come subscribe to your page and, 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 and buy your books and everything. Any info you uh, want to give out before we wrap up?
1: Yeah, absolutely. My website is the Tracy Austinshow.com. Now just be advised. It hasn't been updated for quite some time, uh, but it is the Tracy Austin You can follow me on all social media links, uh, Instagram, uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, um, and the, the books, the three books that I have, you can all find on Amazon. The, the recent one I survived beyond and back. I just recently took this down I'm I'm republishing it. So I'm making some publication changes that should be up within the next week or so that will be book on back on Amazon, but you can, you can find them all on Amazon.
0: That's great. Well, thank you for doing this was on a really interesting podcast. I think it's going thank to do you. really well. With that. Thank you. Have a good night.
1: Thank you very much, Robert. Totally enjoyed it. Thank you.
0: Right. Awesome. Thanks.
1: Thanks. Bye-bye.